đời sông núi anh em ta đáp đời sông núi quyết bảo vệ sang sang ta thể chết cho quê hương at host my radio it's on on every monday and every friday and host my radio welcome to the show thank you And welcome to this week's episode of Team Cat Home, my radio, everyone. Happy Monday. Hope you guys are having a great day. This is our 209th episode. Can you believe that? Starting from 2021 until today, we still are making it strong. I don't know how strong it will be. But hope you guys are still continuing listening to our podcast. Listen to what's going on about Hong Kong or anywhere else. And of course, our radio show is coming up pretty soon, which is after the uh, first week of school. So we will start on that. And there's a lot of projects going on for SJ, and I, I'll be part of that. Hope you guys can also join in as well. Make sure you tune in every Monday or Friday for our podcast. And let's get into it. Why are the world's climate and environment NGOs trying to erase Taiwan from the map? In recent years, the Beijing has extend, expanded its effort to isolate Taiwan, which it considers a breakaway province, to be united with mainland China by force if necessary, on the main global stage. Taiwan has its own democratic government, currency, and passport, and has been self-governed for more than half a century. However, under the one-country-one-China policy, mainland China main, maintains that nations cannot have official relationships relations with both Beijing and Taipei resulting in the islands enjoying formal diplomats with just 13 sovereign nations. Taiwan and its passport holders have been blocked from attending United Nations events, including most notably the World Health Assembly, and forced to compete in international, international sporting events such as, the, uh, such as the Olympics under the moniker Chinese Taipei. Increasingly, the private sector have, been also, have also been pressured. In 2018, American and European airlines and hotels began removing any mentions of Taiwan as a country on their booking platforms and websites. It's ridiculous to see that entities or individuals in democracy would subscribe to China's discourse. Yu Ji Chen, an assistant research professor at Academia, Academia Sinica in Taiwan, told Hong Kong Free Press by phone. These companies censor themselves for the sake of business, and that's very unfortunate. I agree, actually. But what about civil society? Analysis of 50 major U- Europe and North American-based global nonprofit organizations focused on, the ra- on issues ranging from environments, human rights, press freedom, pro- poverty, and health showed that environmental and climate groups were most likely to include Taiwan as part of China. Excludes it all to or exclude it altogether in maps and reports. If nonprofit excludes Taiwan, it is a form of hypocrisy," said Chen. We should expect more of these organizations than we do of business uh, that are trying to make deal with Ch- in China. Of twenty-one major global environmental nonprofits, twelve published maps or reports between between two thousand eighteen. And 2023, that included that included Taiwan as part of China. Most others, 
most artists either did not pu- did not publish maps of Asia or list the countries they operate in. Only three nonprofits: three three fifty org, the IUU Fishing Index, and Global Energy Monitor include Taiwan as a separate entity. Taiwan was in, was in, Taiwan was included as part of China in the Na- in the Nature Conser- uh, Conservancy 2022 Impact Report, Wild A 2018 Sea Turtles Report, and on the websites of Coalitions of Rainforest Nations and Global Fisheries Watch. None of these groups responded to several requests to clarify their positions on Taiwan and whether they consider it part of, of China. The World Resource Institute, or WRI which has a map on its website showing Taiwan within China's borders. Responded by email saying it did not take it did not take a positions on or endorse geograph- geographical or, or political boundaries. Boundaries and other information on any maps displayed by W by WRI did not imp- does not imply an opinion on the legal status of any territory or endorse or acceptance of such boundaries. The World Wide Fund for Nature's International Media Department provided a similar email response, saying WWF, not wrestling, uses UN maps. We are nonpartisan organizations, and this does not imply the expressions of any opinions concerning the legal status of any country, territory, or areas. Taiwan is also missing from environmental and climate data sources released by nonprofit organizations. Climate Action Tracker has no listing for Taiwan and WRI's um, data platform, Resource, Resource Watch, has no data from Taiwan for numerous indicators, including climate, biodiversity, and water. Global Footprint Network data platform, which measures how many ecological resources are used, similarly has no data for Taiwan. For Yichan Zhang, a de- Deputy Secretary General of the Environmental Quality Protection Foundation, a Taiwan-based nonprofit, this is worrying. The incorporation of Taiwan data into China is not welcome, so this can this cannot help us understand the real situation in Taiwan, Chang s- said by email. As a country with the twenty-first and um, the twenty-first twenty-first largest G- GDP in the world, Taiwan deserves to be included in the evaluations by various international organizations and various indicators. A spokesperson from Global Footwork Network by email said that they used intentionally available data from multiple data sets for all countries, but did not respond to follow-up questions asking if they would add Taiwan if that data was provided or available. In fact, Taiwan has been recognized by groups including non-profit, nonprofit Open Data Watch and OpenGov Asia, a content sharing platform for its open data and transparency. The Island Ministry of Interior had also made available data on land use, protected land, and commodity money production. Data access did not appear to have been a barrier for groups like Transparency International, which ranks countries based on corruption, the Global Peace Index, or the Trans Rights Index, all of which include Taiwan as a separate entity. Chen Hui Wu, a research fellow at the Institute of European and American Studies in Taiwan, thinks other factors are at play. Environmental and climate change groups have a stake in China, so they have to care about what China might do, Wu told a Hong Kong professor by phone. I believe the explanation is that they are tempt- tempted to comply with the demands and requirements of the Chinese government. Only one 
only one Nether Netherland-based solid uh, solidarity network explaining why it includes Taiwan as a part of China in its annual report, saying by email at the request of our colleagues in China, we kept colored Taiwan part of China in order to follow the official Chinese government regulations. Solidaridad has an office in mainland China, along with nine of the twelve climate and environmental nonprofits that exclude Taiwan or considered part of China. To operate in means following its strict NGO laws, which came into force in 2017, it requires foreign nonprofits to register with a ministry and have their and have their yearly plans approved by the Chinese authority. Environmental nonprofits are in a difficult position. They have to protect their Chinese staff, who are a lot more vulnerable than the Western staff, said Isaac Stonefish, formerly a China-based journalist and now a CEO of, Strate- of Strategy Risk, a consultancy that supports organizations operating in China. That risk, that risk matrix really highlights the difficulty of maintaining operations in China with your values intact. The argument seems to be that the benefits to environmental protections and and climate actions of collaborating with Beijing are worth it. This is a choice that does not exist for human rights, civic and press freedom groups, which have never been able to operate in mainland China, and were the most likely to include Taiwan in their reports. They don't have a market in China, said Wu, because they focus on freedom, democracy, and human rights. They are hated by China, and they also hate China to, to some degree. If I put it very bluntly, so the influence of China or, pos- or the possibility of being sanctioned is of little to no significance for human rights or press freedom groups. They are notably now also increasingly limited in Hong Kong, where many civil societies groups have disbanded since the passage of the national security law in June 2020. The following year, Amnesty International cited concerns about the law impacts on its human rights advocacy. When it announced the closure of its office, other organizations like the New School for Democracy and the Globe Innovation Fund moved to Taiwan, which had been ranked by Civicus as the place in Asia that best respects freedom of assembly, association, and expression. Over the past few years, Beijing's efforts to influence discourse in democracies have intra- attracted increasing attra- attentions. The fact that so many U.S. and European environmental nonprofits are willing to accept the Chinese narrative on Taiwan without protests should be of grave concern, Chen said. International organizations are supposed to be impartial and objective, said Wu, but in practice they are more and more subject to Chinese interference and I think this is a very serious trend. Their behavior or their conduct has to be held has to be held accountable. For the Environmental Quality Protection Foundations, such interference also limits its opportunity to engage globally on core issues. Many Taiwanese NGOs have difficulty interacting with China and China's allies because of their close interaction with the Taiwan's government, the Chang. The main annoyance is that it creates an invisible barrier to work in environmental matters, which should be the most borderless. Truth is, we don't want to wipe out Taiwan completely, and I don't want to wipe out Taiwan completely. You may say, well, I understand the decision. Of course we do know what the decision is supposed to be. But, sometimes I do think they are not strong enough to stand against an authoritarian regime. And they could be a bit, you know, a bit weak in my opinion. And I think they should be strong enough to fight against them. 
And of course, the government will always launch something when it's when the when the court rejects their the bid. Government launched bids to appeal court's rejection of on ban of pro democracy protest song "Glory to Hong Kong." Hong Kong has launched a bid to appeal against the court's court's rejection of its attempt to ban pro democracy protest song "Glory to Hong Kong." The government has said. In a statement published on Monday afternoon, the Department of Justice said that the city's justice minister had decided to appeal the high court, dis- high court decision not to grant an inter- interim injunction prohibiting unlawful acts relating to the glory to Hong Kong. The DOJ added that it had filed an application for a leave to appeal. The Secretary for Justice, acting as a guardian of public interests, I don't think he represented me at all, applied for the interim injunction for the purpose of discharging the constitutional responsibility of the government of of the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region to safeguard national security by effectively preventing, suppressing, and imposing punishment on acts or activities endangering national security, and to preserve the dignity of the national anthem. Of the national anthem, a spokesperson for the DOJ said in a statement. In another application for the injunction filed on June 5th, the DOJ sought to bar the distribution of the pro-democracy protest song with the intention to incite cite secession, sedition, or to violate the national anthem law. The government also sought to bar anyone from assisting with those acts. In his ruling, delivered on July 28th, which we reported already, High Court Judge Anthony Chen said he was not satisfied that it was just it was it was just and convenient to grant the government's request for injunction. Given that the injunction is aimed at criminal acts, but not law, but not lawful activities, I believe that the intrusion of freedom of expression. He, to intrusion to freedom of expression, of expression here, especially to innocent third parties, is is what is referred in to the public law as the chilling effects. Chan wrote, "With respect, I am unable to agree that the chilling effects may be dismissed simply because the injunction is not aimed at lawful pursuits." The court rule reads, "Read the DOJ spokesperson." On Monday, noted, however, that the court had agreed there can be little doubts that the song used to incite secession in the four classes of acts that the applications for interim injunctions sought to prohibit are plainly or are likely to constitute a, unlo- a criminal activity. The lyrics of Glory to Hong Kong, a song popularizing the 2019 anti extradition bill protest, contain the phrase Live Your Hong Kong Revolution at Times, a slogan that was ruled to be capable of inciting secession during the city's first national security trial. The court first instance made made the decision to refuse granting an inter- interim injunction, but not because the acts in question were illegal, but because the court considered that such acts already con- uh, constitute criminal offenses even without the injunction. Therefore, not, was not satisfied that the injunction would be, uh, would be of real utility, the DOJ spokesperson said on Monday. Spokesperson added that the Secretary for Justice considered it's necessary to appeal put to appeal put to put forward views and request the court of appeal to consider granting the interim injunction. On the same day, the High Court delivered its verdict. The city's the city leader John Lee said he had ordered the DOJ to follow up um, to take follow up actions as soon as possible. In the days that followed, pro-establishment lawmakers. Criticized the judge's decisions and urged the government to appeal or amend relevant laws to deal with the song. Of course, anything that is, when it works against them, they will say they'll make a big fuss about it. Holden Chow, vice chairperson of the 
of the pro Beijing party, the DAB, posted three times on Facebook saying points of law raised by the courts were fundamentally wrong. The song was had become widely known and utilized as a, as a means to promote Hong Kong independence. It has unquestionably became become a matter of national security. So why is freedom of speech being brought into discussions? Holden said, it seems that the court lacks a proper understanding of national security and its significance. No, you have to respect the law. You have to respect the rulings. I don't care if you hate. You may hate what he gave, but I respect what they did. And I agree with what the judge said. It can have a chilling effect. Think about this. It's freedom of expression. You can express it the way you want, right? That's how it's supposed to be. DEB lawmaker Elizabeth Quatt and president and president of and president of the pro Beijing party, the Hong Kong FTU, Stanley Ng, also posted on Facebook. The court rulings had failed to fulfill consider consider the facts and legal points provided by the DOJ, and said. And a report published by state backed Chinese news language newspaper One Way Poll on Monday, five pro establishment legislators urged the DOJ to file an ex- appeal or explore alternative measure to ban the song. Pro establishment party New People's Party lawmaker Eunice Yum said that the court's ruling reflected that some people lack basic understanding of the importance of safeguarding national security. Therefore, the government should consider conducting legal reform and reviewing the implementation of the national security law. You do not specify the details of legal reform. Yum is the darn law of the one overseas activist, Elmer Yuan, one of the eight self-exiled pro-democracy figures with a $1 million bounty on their heads relating to an alleged national security offenses. Yum said on July 24th her home has been searched and she had been questioned by national security police for nearly three hours. Trust me. If you've been questioned for three hours, you know something's bad happened. It was the latest such actions involving the locally based family members of the eight wanted Democrats. Emery Ren's eldest daughter, Mimi, and his son, Derek, Yum's husband, were also questioned by police. Hong Kong already has a law criminalizing insults to China's national anthem or flag, but said the injunction against the protest ballot was also necessary. The Justice Department said in June the song was likely to be mistaken as a national anthem, and its assistance couldn't suggest that the state has a national has an anthem of its own or could encourage others to commit seditious acts. Injunctions would protect the national anthem from insults. added. come on, one song cannot hurt anybody. Glory to Hong Kong was released on YouTube by a local songwriter identified only as Thomas and his teams on August 31st, 2019, during the heights of the city-wide pro-democracy demonstration. It featured lyrics co-written by users of online discussions forum LinkedIn. They called for democracy and freedom and now inclu- included the now-banned Liberate slogan. The government has refused to say whether Glory to Hong Kong is illegal, when asked by Hong Kong Free Press, despite the authorities' insistence that the law was clear. Nevertheless, the recent effort to ban the song was was preceded by other legal moves and arrests. Last month, 27-year-old photographer Jen Win Jen Chung became the first person convicted under the city's national anthem law. He was sentenced to three months in prison after replacing March of the Volunteers with Going to Hong Kong in a video. The government's so adamant in this. They're so impatient. They just want to actually get rid of it completely. Does it? Does them doing that kind of thing really make a difference? Does it make a change? Not, not necessary. 
because if it did, it would have caused a lot more problems than it caused more salute than it has solutions. Hong Kong employers should not bear costs of Indonesia's policy change for domestic workers, labor minister says. Hong Kong's employers should not be required to pay thousands of dollars more to hire Indonesian domestic workers, the city's labor minister has said as he vowed to meet with Indonesian consul general to express concerns over the controversial free rise. Employers in Hong Kong should not bear the cost of any policy change relating to hiring domestic workers from Indonesia, Secretary for Labor and Welfare Chris Sun said last Friday after Jakarta unveiled revised rules to shift the recruitment costs entirely by employers. Entirely to employers. Indonesia's fee policy was last amended last year, but has yet to be re- yet to be enforced. The most recent change scrapped the need for domestic workers to pay a placement fee, requiring workers instead to just cover the cost of undergoing training. Under the new rules, employers in Hong Kong must cover the full recruitment fee of around $4,000 to $5,000, with charges varying from among different Indonesian recruitment agencies. Indonesian Recruitment Association Aspataki estimated last Wednesday that the fees, the new fees, would raise the total cost of hiring in Indonesian domestic workers to around $20,000. Prior to the policy change, employers in Hong Kong were required to pay for medical examinations, round-trip flight tickets, transportation to the airport, and insurance. If employers did not comply with the revised rules, the chairman, the, the individual, the Indonesian authorities could bar workers from going to Hong Kong. As Pataki chair, Chairman Saifu Masud said. Sun said last Friday that the, the Hong Kong government already contacted the Indonesian consulate in Hong Kong to express its stance on the fee increase. The policy change should not affect the, the opportunities for Indonesian domestic workers to seek jobs in Hong Kong, the minister said, and that any measure should not target Hong Kong. Any measure should treat everyone equally. We will voice our stance very proactively, and we have to defend the the interest of Hong Kong, he said in Cantonese. Sun said he would schedule a meeting with the Indonesian envoy to reiterate the government's stance. He added the Labor Department would meet with consulate representatives from Cambodia and Bangladesh to discuss the possibilities of importing domestic workers from other places. Hong Kong's Employers of Domestic Helpers Association said on RTHK last Thursday that the Hong Kong government should discuss with the Indonesian authorities the problems of overcharging the recruit of recruitment fees by employment agencies. Hong Kong employers were not responsible for such an issue, said Betty Yum, chairwoman of the association. Yum raised concerns that there was insufficient protections for Hong Kong employers, saying migrant workers could resign with a month notice after the employers paid an expensive recruitment fee. Migrant domestic workers in Hong Kong are subject to stringent rules, and the government has sought has recently sought to crack down on workers terminating their contract early to find another employer. Domestic workers advocate advocates have called job hopping a myth, saying it was the last thing a worker would do, as it came at a big price, including having to pay a large sum to employment agencies, as well as facing a wait for new work visas. 
You met while some employers may turn to hiring domestic workers from other places. Other countries may follow the example of Indonesia and raise recruitment costs. JBMI, an organization representing Ind-、uh, Indonesian migrant workers, said in a in a statement last Friday that the new rules did not address issues of overcharging or placement fees. The workers still face an expensive departure fee. The group said, "Zero agency fee rule is ideal on paper, but it's impractical in reality." The statement read. Last month, the Hong Kong Federation of Asian Domestic Workers Union found that Indonesian domestic workers are mostly most likely to be overcharged by their agencies. The government should put in place. Something that can actually protect both people, but there's but there's something you have to be smart about because if you don't, it's gonna come back and it's gonna be much much more deadlier, and it's not gonna be fun. I can guarantee you on that. Maybe if they should stop. Maybe if they you know the Hong Kong police stop busting people's heads, maybe they might might get some job done. That would have been a good thing instead of just you know not focusing so much on national security crap. No tit for tat moves by Japan if Hong Kong bans food imports over Fukushima water discharge. Consul General says Japan will not adopt tit for tat measures if Hong Kong imposes bans on its food imports after Fukushima nuclear waste water is discharged. The country's consul general has said. Kenichi Okada. Who heads the Japanese consulate in Hong Kong told Now TV in a in an interview published on Saturday that Hong Kong's reputation in Japan had been poor since the protests in 2019. Japan is not a country which engages in illogical, nasty tit for tat. But what I'm worried very seriously about is the image of Hong Kong in Japan, Okada said. He added that many places around the world were not placing any bans, and over two dozens. Or even relaxing import rules, but Hong Kong, Macau, and China is going to strengthen the restrictions. If you are a Japanese, how do you think? Okada said. Okada's comments came ahead of Japan's plan this month to release treated wastewater from a nuclear plant in Fukushima on the country's eastern coast. The plant was the site of an incident an accident in twenty eleven. When a 9.0 magnitude earthquake struck Japan and triggered a tsunami, the International、um, Atomic Energy Agency, the United Nations nuclear watchdog, said in July that Japan's plan were consistent with the international safety standards. The discharge would have a negligible radiological impact, according to the agencies. Since Japan announced it would release its treated water, Hong Kong has said repeatedly that. It would take rigorous measures to restrict food imports from Japan. The city announced last month it would ban imports from ten Japanese prefectures. In a blog post published on Monday, Secretary for Environment and Ecology Chia Qingwang defended the looming restrictions, calling them necessary to protect food safety in the city. Radioactive substances can accumulate in the marine in the marine organizations organisms. And pose risks, Chia said. Hong Kong has all along attached great importance to maintain good relationships with Japan, but we cannot compromise food safety and the health of our citizens. Chia wrote in Chinese. He added that China was a said that China was the instigator 
and the active party while Hong Kong was the passive party. Strengthening the control of Japan's seafood port imports is a normal thing to do for, vict- for victims implementing measures to protect themselves. Those who are objective can see clearly who is right and who's wrong. Hong Kong is a major importer of Japanese fishery products and is second biggest second biggest market for exports after after mainland China data from from the Japanese government showed. Japan has requested that Hong Kong should not take regulatory measures and call for actions based on scientific evidence according to the country's foreign ministry. This is some this is kind of worries everybody else. I'm not I'm not going to blame you about that. So I have no problem with what's going on. I'm hoping that they can get the situation solved and hopefully they can try to do it without any use of craziness, you know. Philippines summons China ambassador over water cannon of boats. Manila Manila summoned Beijing's envoy Monday. After the China, after the China's Coast Guard blocked and water and water cannon Philippine vessels in dis, in the dis, disputed South China Sea, President Ferdinand Marcos said, "This didn't happen Saturday as the Philippine Coast Guard escorted charter boats carrying food, water, fuel, and other supplies for Filipino military military personnel stationed at Second Thomas Shoal in the Spratly Island." Beijing claims almost all of the South China Sea, through which millions of dollars in trade pass annually and has ignored a 2016 international court ruling that its assertion has no legal basis. The Philippine military and Coast, and Coast Guard had accused the Chinese Coast Guard of breaking international laws and blocking and firing water cannons at the resupply mission, which prevent one of the charter boats reaching the shoal. Another charter boats were successful in unloading this cargo. China said it has taken necessary control against Philippine boats that had illegally entered its water. Our secretary, our secretary for foreign affairs, summoned Ambassador Huang today and gave him a note, verbal, including pictures, video about what happened, and we are awaiting awaiting your reply. Marco to, Marcos told of course. The position of China, of course, is that. Is they say this is ours, so we are defending it, and we, for the, our parts, are saying no. We own it, so we are defending it. So that become, becomes a gray area that we are discussing. The U.S. State Department on Sunday condemned the Chinese actions, saying they are they were carried out by the Coast Guards and maritime militias, and that they directly threatened this regional stabi- peace and stability. Britain, Australia, and Britain, Australia, Canada, and the European Union also criticized Beijing moves, Beijing's actions. Second Thomas Shoal is about 200 kilometers, which is about 124 miles, from the Philippine island of Palawan, and more than 1,000 kilometers, uh, kilometers from China's nearest major landmass, Hainan Island. China's Coast Guard and Navy vessels routinely blocked with shadow Philippine ships patrolling the controlled war, the contested war, as Manila said. The Philippines has issued more than 400 diplomats, uh, diplomatic protests to, be, to Beijing since 2020 over its illegal, illegal activities in the South China Sea, the foreign ministry said. For the records, we would never abandon the Ayugan uh, uh, Show, 
We are committed to the Union soul. National Security Council spokesman Jonathan Malaya, uh, Malaya has told, told reporters uh, Monday using the Philippine name for the second Thomas Shoal in the Spratly Island. Saturday's incident was the first time since November 2021 that the Chinese Coast Guard had used water cannons against a Philippine resupply mission to, sec- to second Thomas, Thomas Shoal. The Philippines condemned in the strongest terms the latest incident of harassment per, uh, perpetra- per, uh, perpetrated by China's Coast Guard, People's Liberation Army, Navy, and Chinese maritime mil- militia vessels, said the National Task Force for the West Philippine Sea, which includes representatives of various government agencies. As a low tide elevation alleviation, a union show could, can neither be the subject of sovereignty claim nor is capable of appropriation under international law, the task force said in a statement. The Philippines insists, insists the second Thomas Shoal is part of an exclusive economic zone. However, former Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte, who was in power from 2016 to 2022, was reluctant to criticize his more powerful neighbors as he sought closer ties with Beijing in hopes of attracting investment. Marcos has insisted since succeeding Duterte that he would not let China tramples on his country's maritime rights. He has gra- um, gravity uh, towards the United States, seeking to strengthen defense ties with the Philippines' former colonial ruler and longtime ally. Smart choice because um, we don't trust what the communist government is doing anyway. The communist government should bear all the responsibility about what's going on. And that's the reason why I don't trust many of the Chinese governments at all. Hong Kong 47, we're going to go right into that. Online decoration meant to show willful resistance, activists tells National Security Trial. The purpose of an online decoration that called on candidates to endorse the five demands advocated in the 2019 Action Bill protest was to show willful resistance, a Hong Kong activist has said at a high-profile National Security Trial relating to 47 pro-democracy figures. Monday marked the 100th day of a lengthy trial of 16 former lawmakers ex-district counselors and other activists who plan not guilty to charges of conspiring to commit subversion. A panel of three designated national security judges heard the second day of Owens Child's testimony as he faced questions on a key document in the case, which he jointly initiated with two other defendants. The case revolves around an unofficial legislative primary election held in July 2020 which aims to help to help the pro-democracy camp select the strongest election candidates and win a controlling majority in the then 70 seats legislature. Child, 26 years old, who identified as a localist, dropped a, a decoration, an online decoration titled Resolute Resistance, Inc. Without Regrets, on June 6, 2020. This is June 9, 2020. This is before the uh, national security law was, was, was enforced with former district counselors Sam Chung and Fergus Lung. Document listed as a key document by the prosecutors in their opening su- uh, submission calling candidates to endorse the five demands. They were asked to declare that they would deploy the power to com- uh, confer to the Legislative Council under the basic law, including vetoing the budgets to compel the chief executive to respond to the, to- to the demands. 
Protesters advocate for the withdrawal of the controversial extradition bill has, that sparked the demonstrations and called for independent investigations into the alleged use of excessive force by police. They also asked the authorities to retract the characterization of, of the protests as riots, grant amnesty to those arrested during the demonstrations, and implement universal suffrage for the chief executive and legislative council elections. Secretaries were also asked to, uh, were asked to say that they would halt their electioneering activities should their support ratings fall outside of the scope of the expected seats obtainable for their respective constituencies. The prosecution alleged earlier that the declaration was proof of their unwavering pledge to knowingly active, to no, to knowingly active uh, achieve the unpugnant objectives regardless of any legal consequences. On Monday, Chow told the court that legal scholar Benny Tai's decision that the candidates of the primary election did not have to sign any documents to avoid creating evidence for disqualification was diffuse. That prompted him and two other defendants to draft the online declaration. Chow also pointed to the legislative council election in 2016, which, showed he, which he said showed that pro-independent slogan ideologies was the red line for the authorities to bar certain candidates from standing. During the coronation, meetings the Democrats held in 2020. However, however, they did not discuss Hong Kong independence, Chow said. Therefore, I don't understand what Tai was afraid of, he said, speaking Cantonese. The three initiators of the declaration did not believe the Democrats would, could win more than 35 seats in the legislative race, Chow said, which led them um, think the general election should return as many legislators with the will for resistance as possible. Electing legislators with the will of resistance was more reasonable. Therefore, we have to find a way to show to voters the will of resistance, ink without regrets, was a declaration that put the, the political ideologies of the candidates to competition, he said. The document, which had 35 signatories, including self-exile activist Nathan Law and Sunny Chung, had no binding effects on any candidates who signed it, child testified. He believed... He said he had he believed it was a responsibility of lawmakers to pursue the five demands, but but he did not advocate for voting for vetoing the budgets indiscriminately in the online declaration. Child will continue his testimony on Tuesday afternoon. I feel there's nothing wrong with signing any declarations as long as, as long as people can understand what's going, what they want, what is the proposals, what is the plan in mind. Basically, giving them a choice or giving them a rights for what they should choose. And we'll explain more on the student universe, the student at university power after the break. Welcome back. Students on Chinese University of Hong Kong Council should have limited decision making powers, lawmaker says. Student delegates to the Chinese University of Hong Kong Council should only be allowed to participate in discussions on certain matters, lawmakers and university ch- council chair have said. They were discussing the matters at a meeting about a bill that would reduce the influence of staff and academics in running the sc- in running of the in the running of the school. Lawmakers Reverend Peter Kuhn argued at the Legislative Council Bills Committee me- meeting last Friday that while students should be allowed to participate in discussions, they should not be allowed into the council. For students and staff in the universities overseas, they don't have seats on the council. Instead, they have a session where they can engage in discussions regarding the university. They leave after that. They will leave after that. And the council will consider what they have to say. Um, have you also considered what student government is supposed to be? They're not going to sit there and just don't have decisions. They sit on the council. 
If you talk about school councils and stuff like that, a school board has a different story. We give them suggestions and they have to support. If they don't support, we will go nuts on them. Councils, I believe, need to hear the voices of different stakeholders. But when it comes to making decisions, members of the council might not be able to speak freely because students and staff might struck discussions. He added, the bill proposed reducing the Chinese University of Hong Kong's council from 55 seats to 34. The number of alumni seats would be reduced to from 3 to 1, while the numbers of lawmakers' seats would remain at 3. The change would drastically increase the proportions of external members with a pro- proposed ratio of 23 external members to, to 11 internal members for the purpose of monitoring the effectiveness of the Chinese University of Hong Kong and achieving its goal and operations car- targets. The bill's committee will submit its a report to the Legislative Council House Committee on October 13th and, and before the bill's second reading on November 1st. Could also said that opinions and voting power were, sep- were separate concepts, and that granting students the ability to make decisions on the council would cause oppositions. In response, however, Tommy Jung, the pro-business Liberal Party, one of the lawmakers on the Chinese University of Hong Kong board, who initiated the amendment bill, said the council generally agreed on having students' representatives. The main the main difficulties lies in the determining uh, determining the information the information that students need to know, Chen said in China, in Cantonese, and that he understood Kuhn's concern. The Chinese University of Hong Kong's council chairman, John Chai, said students were important stakeholders who may also have interest who have also who may also have vested interest when it comes to tuition fees and student halls. However, when it comes to other matters such as staff promotions, it might not be necessary for students to participate in discussions or access reports, he also said in Cantonese. Responding to questions from lawmakers Benson Lope from the Pro Establishment Business and Professionals Alliance for Hong Kong about how to ensure students' representatives are patriots, Chai said. He would look into the issue later. Speaking to reports in Cantonese after the meeting, Bill's committee chairwoman, Priscilla Lung, said the university management was not up to par and that the legislative amendment would help the institution catch up. The university vice chancellor, Rocky Twin, who had been a target of criticism by supporters of the bill, was absent from Friday's meeting for the third consecutive day. Lund said the law- that lawmakers and universities had a mutual reinforcing mutual, mutual and mutually supervisory relationship. Unfortunately, the highest decision maker of the university, Rocky Twin, had never attended the committee uh, meetings regarding the proposals, Lund said. Friday's meeting came a week after more than 1,500 people signed a petition to oppose the bill. One of the organizers, the Chinese University of Hong Kong's council members, Ender Lam, saying that the changes would damage the university's autonomy and academic freedoms. The secretaries deeply regretted the amendment bill initiated by three lawmakers on the, on the Chinese University of Hong Kong board, Cheng, Bill Tang of the Pro-Beijing Federation of Trade Unions, and Edward Lau of the Democratic Alliance for the Betterment and Progress of Hong Kong, the city's largest pro-establishment party. The proposed amendments were made in light of the incident which took place in the Chinese University of Hong Kong in 2019, according to the electrical brief. According to the electrical brief. I don't know why the bill needs to be proposed. I don't think it needs to. 
It just, like what some students said, it will damage their autonomy. So if they want to speak freely, it's not going to work. So if they have concerns about the staff, concerns about any members, students, or whatever, they should allow. They should be allowed to do that because that's their rights. So they have. They should have a right to criticize. What What if they need to put decisions like I don't know, increasing uh salary for staff, um giving more staff rights so that way they can actually able to work with the students or asking or urging those staff to work with the students on certain issues. Are they not allowed to make that decision? That's what I want to know. Why they're not making? Why are you not allowing them to make decisions? Why are they afraid of? If they're afraid of, of them making decisions, then don't even don't even bother. This is something that may lo- they just want to warn. I mean, seriously, they just want to war it down the whole entire choices of the university, just so they can actually have more power against everybody. That's what they always do: is power, 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 and power and power for themselves. They're not power for the students. They're not power for the people. They're not power for anybody. I feel like they should have. A, I feel like the students should have more power than it, than it is on anyone else. That's how I should see it. I mean, they they can they can like it or whatever. I mean, the government can like it or they can lump it. That's their. That's not my problem. And also, thank you for tuning in, guys. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, make sure you tune in every Monday and Friday for our podcast. Make sure to continue to li- listen more of the reports that we'll be talking about. Make sure you tune in every single Monday and Friday. Because that's very important for us to, for me to give out information about what's going on in Hong Kong. Something that American viewers don't know about. And most of the reports I'm getting from is from Hong Kong Free Press. Give them a lot of credit and give them a shout out for credit. Read their reports. And and also comment on Hong Kong Free Press stuff and tell them that we like your report. And that's it for today. And we'll talk more next time. This is Team Cam with my video signing out. Hope you guys have a great day. Take care. Cat host my radio. It's on on every Monday and every Friday. Cat host my radio. Welcome to the show. Thank you.